0: Interesting lottery-related story. OLG is holding back half of a winner's $6.1 million jackpot because his ex-girlfriend obtained an emergency court order. She believes that half of the jackpot is hers. Michael Cochran is a lawyer with BTZ Law. He joins us on the show now. You know, Michael, how unusual is this?
1: Uh, What you're describing is pretty much standard operating procedure for the way that the lottery corporation handles a dispute. Uh, the minute there's any kind of challenge uh, at their office, they will take the amount that's in dispute and put it into court. That way, they're not really involved in the legal proceedings. They can they can step aside and let the parties slug it out in court.
0: So this happens more often than we hear.
1: Oh yeah, this is quite uh, quite routine.
0: Is this where things get kind of tricky, the fact that they live together?
1: No, and I think it would be a mistake to look at, it, uh, look at their situation as being a family law problem. They're, they're certainly not a married couple, and they're not even a common-law couple. So the way in which a dispute like this would have to be resolved comes back down to things like contract law. Did they have a contract between the two of them? Was there an agreement that one of them, if they won, would hold the proceeds in trust for the other? Was this a joint venture? In other words, were they in the business of buying lottery tickets and sharing the, uh, the winnings if they, if they got lucky? So it's really a, a contract uh, arrangement rather than a family law one.
0: Right. So you can have a verbal contract. You know, sources close to, to his girlfriend said that uh, she had asked if the specific numbers 6, 17, 29, 37, 45, and 47 had won, and he responded that they hadn't.
1: Yeah, and that, uh, whether that's true or not, or whether she asked the question, it may be beside the point. The, the real question is going to be, what was the history of play that this couple had? Did they, for example, play the same numbers every week? If, the, if they did, the OLG records will tell us what the pattern of play was for those particular numbers. They keep all of this stuff in, a, in their computer. So they'll be able to tell you, did the, those particular numbers get played at the typical place that they bought their tickets? Where did they check their tickets? Uh, there'll be a video of, of when they che- uh, redeemed the winning ticket. All of that information's available. So most of the time when we're dealing with these kind of cases, we're looking at what evidence is there of a history of play of a history of contribution? What was the understanding that they ever exchanged emails uh, about what they were doing with their lottery tickets? You know, and it's also not the first time this has happened for a a
0: couple. So what's the takeaway here?
1: I think one takeaway for people who uh, buy tickets together, whether it's uh, as a group, and and it's typically groups that run into the problems, uh, but even for a couple, uh, you've got to write things down. Uh, if you have an understanding that you're going to buy tickets together and share proceeds together, then you should have some kind of written confirmation of that. Uh, When I say it's groups that run into this more often than not, it's like the office play. And, you know, this Friday, there's a big lotto max. Uh, I think it's 55 million plus Um, for that. Uh, jackpot I would bet right now in Ontario there are thousands of office pools that are underway some group leader is collecting money from people they should make sure that they tell everybody in that group no pay no play if you don't have a copy of this ticket a photocopy of the the tickets that I've purchased and you haven't made your contribution then you are not going to share should you
0: have a witness in uh, when you say that to the people that are in the pool uh,
1: not necessarily witness, but it's certainly the cases that I've been involved in. There's quite a detailed uh, exchange of emails by people in the group. And uh, whoever's the group leader, they have a responsibility to, uh, to make it known that here are the rules. No pay, no play. If you don't have your money in in time, nobody's contributing on your behalf. We don't care if you're on vacation, if you're off sick. No pay, no play. That's, that's the cleanest way to do this. It, may sound unfair, but that, that actually avoids problems.
0: Is the takeaway from this particular story, if you're going to continue to play the lottery, don't use the numbers that you used to play together with.
1: Yeah, especially, you know, if there is a pattern of play in the evidence that this couple had a particular set of numbers, maybe they were lucky numbers for them. If that's part of their pattern of play, that's certainly going to suggest that there was some kind of understanding that they were going to share the proceeds. And as I mentioned a minute ago, there was a case back in 2000 out in Saskatchewan, very similar, common law couple in that case, uh, living together, uh, tickets purchased, when uh, one a couple, the, the woman found out that the ticket was a winner. She packed up her stuff and moved out and said, That's, that's what I was intending to do, anyways. I was planning on leaving this relationship, and therefore I should keep all, all the winnings uh, from this particular 649. That went to trial, and the judge said uh, that she was holding half of the ticket in trust for him. Um, because there was quite a bit of evidence that they had an understanding about purchasing these tickets. They'd made joint contributions to it. Um, they, would, you know, they, they had a whole history of, of who did what to buy tickets. Uh, he knew where it was purchased. Uh, they, they had all the evidence that they needed to establish that she was actually holding half the ticket in trust for him. And I think that's what this couple's going to find out in Ontario.